Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Pastor JF and I, in, in praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord has, sp- has spoken very specifically about this being a time for the laying of foundations, about this being a time for preparation of our hearts and minds for what God desires to do here. And when I say here, I mean here meaning inside of me, here meaning inside of you, here meaning inside of this house, and also here meaning inside of this community. And so we believe that literally God has something so big in store for us that it's going to be imperative to begin to lay foundations so that we are ready to see it, so that we are ready to experience what God has. And so this morning is part of that. This morning, we're going to unpack what I can find, say, Pastor Ashley, Pastor Ashley. what I, so if you find one, email it to me because I'm interested to see it. But this is what I have found to be the only scripture reference in all of the Bible where we see that God the Father speaks and gives an actual prayer to a person to pray. So that's kind of a big deal, would you say? That's a little bit of a big deal. And the Lord was speaking to me even six months ago about this specific prayer and about praying it over my children, over our family. And so I have a chalkboard in our little kitchen nook and I wrote it on that to remind me. And as my children were eating breakfast, I would speak this prayer over them. And as I began to speak that prayer over them, my little ones did what most little ones do. And they started asking, why are you doing this? Why, why these words? What does this mean? And I found that I didn't have adequate answers for those questions. And so I had to go to scripture and to start digging. And what I found is what I'm going to present to you all today. The blessing that we're going to read today is found in number six. So if you're taking notes or if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to get to that in a second. But I think it's important for us to understand the background, the history, the context, the why. Why did the Lord speak this specific prayer to Moses and tell him to pray it over the people of God, the chosen people of God, not once a day, twice a day. These exact words, twice a day. Well, if you look in Genesis, you find that God has a specific group of people that he calls his chosen ones. How many of you know, if you read on through the New Testament, we are now, if we are believers in Jesus, we are grafted into those chosen ones. So anytime you see that in scripture, if you have given your life to the Lord, then that means you. So in Genesis, God's chosen ones have fallen into slavery, into captivity. They are enslaved in Egypt 
overlorded by a Pharaoh there. And they are in this bondage for hundreds of years. Scripture says hundreds of years they were in slavery and bondage. And then through a series of miraculous events, the Lord raises up Moses and brings them out of captivity. And they're headed into a place that we call the promised land. Now, why do we call that? Because it was a place or land that God had promised his chosen ones. But here's what happened. How many of you know just because you're a chosen one of God, you don't always get it right? Hey, yeah, that's all of us. All of us. And in Genesis and Exodus, these individuals were no different. In fact, they exited Egypt and they didn't find that God had given them all the promises in exact the timing and exact order as they thought. God's timing was different than what they had imagined. And so instead of, instead of going directly into the promised land, they were in the wilderness. And God's still providing, he's still revealing himself to them, but it didn't look how they thought it should. So what happens? I know y'all don't do this, but these people, not you guys, these people started complaining. Nobody in here complains, ever, ever. These people in Scripture, not you guys, started getting frustrated with God. These people, not you guys, started looking back at their old life going, well, maybe I should have just stayed there. Maybe, maybe I should just go back into what I used to do because this isn't perfect the way I thought it would feel and look. Nobody here does that. And so what happens is that God is about to bring his chosen people into a place where they start seeing some of the actual promises revealed. Do you remember the story where the spies are sent into the promised land? And you get a, a good report from two spies, but the rest give a negative report. This is right before that happens. And so God knew that he needed to begin to prepare the hearts of his chosen people. He needed to get them into the proper thinking, not only of who he is, but also how he sees them and what he desires for them. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's what the Lord has for us. We are about to walk into a time where we will start to see the fulfillment of specific promises that the Lord has given us. We will start to see visibly the fulfillment of His power moving in this place, in this city, in ways that we've never seen before. But first, the Lord wants to make sure that our hearts and minds are prepared and in a place to actually trust him to walk into it. And so that's what this study is about. And I want to look at this passage together this morning. Number six, we're going to start in verse 22 and go through verse 27. We'll read the fullness of it and then start to unpack it verse by verse. Verse 22 says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron... And his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites, meaning God's chosen. 
Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Verse 27, so they, meaning Aaron and his sons, will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I want to look at that first part, the verse 22. Scripture says, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, so if you have your Bibles, underline Aaron and you need to write above it. Aaron was the priest. And, and you have to look at, it says not just Aaron, but also his sons. So we're talking about the priesthood and then all future generations of priesthood is what the Lord said. Now don't miss this because this is where you and I come into place. The Lord said that they are to read this, bless this over God's chosen people. Well, Pastor Ashley, I didn't know we were in a Catholic church. You aren't. But you're talking about priests. Yes, I know. Look with me at 1 Peter. Chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 9. 1 Peter is talking to us. Everybody say us. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is to you. First Peter says, but you are a chosen people. Well, wait, you mean like God's chosen? You mean like the ones that he had this read over? Yes, you are God's chosen people now. But not just that, don't miss this. You are the royal priesthood. You are the priests. You are now Aaron's sons. This is you. We are talking about you. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him that called you out of darkness. Thank you, Jesus, into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You're the chosen people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received and experienced his mercy. Now, I don't want you to miss this because this is directly connected to this story I'm telling you. If you go back later, maybe tonight, go look at Exodus 19, verse five and six. First Peter is straight up quoting Exodus 19. It's so amazing how the word is so intertwined. But I want you to understand, I believe, Pastor JF and I believe, the reason I am preaching this same message to all of you is because we felt it was so imperative, so important that men and women, not just the women that were at the women's Bible study, understand the fullness of this blessing and the fullness of what God has in store for us, but how we have to understand who He is and what He desires for us and how He sees us before we'll be able to trust him enough to walk into it. So today we're gonna unpack this blessing that the Lord told Moses for Aaron and his sons, all of us, to read over the chosen people of God. And the first part that I wanna unpack for you is number one, if you're taking, if you're taking notes. He, meaning God, he desires to bless and protect you. He desires to bless and protect you. And just in case you think I am here this morning to preach some sort of name it, claim it, prosperity gospel, I don't mean a new car. If he gives you one, that's awesome. <laughs> Great. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say the word bless, 
He desires to bless and protect you. Let's look at the very beginning of the passage that we read, Numbers 6, verse 24. The passage says, The Lord bless you and keep you. Now, I want to stop right there because it's going to be really important that you understand the entirety of this blessing is in present tense. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Ashley? It means right now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, right now. And if you look in the original language in the Hebrew, all of these words, the connotation of them is continual. It's not a one-time thing. So it's not saying, oh, that one time when the Lord blessed you. No, no, no. This is the Lord continually blesses and keeps you. But it goes further than that. Because in the original language, that word bless is actually the word barach. Barach. And there's a couple meanings behind that. The first is to kneel. To kneel or bless. Well, what does that mean? The Lord kneels? Yeah, that is what that means. Let me explain it to you. It's a phrase that gives a very specific picture of a royal king in all of his majesty making a choice to kneel before a servant that by every other means is unworthy. He makes a choice to kneel before him and bestow upon him all the good gifts that he desires to give him. And this, this word is actually found throughout Scripture. I found it in a few places, but one place that I think is particularly interesting for this word picture is found in Genesis 24. It's, it's actually a story about Isaac and Rebekah, but this actual word is found in this, in this passage. I want to read it to you, starting in verse 10. It says, Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things. Say, good gifts. All kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram and made his way down to the town of Naor and had the camels kneel down. He had the camels barach. Why? He had them kneel down near the well outside of the town. It was toward the evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Why did he have the camels kneel, kneel down? Because all of the good gifts for the master were for those women. And those women were not able to access them until the camels knelt. And that's exactly what the Heavenly Father is showing us. He has so much for us. So many good gifts. Gifts that we can't possibly fathom. And for us to be able to receive them, He needed to come to us. It's a beautiful picture. When I was reading it and studying it, I thought about, this one specific precious little girl here in the church, and I see her mama right here. Uh, her name is Ava. And I, th my kids used to do this, but Ava does this for me every single week when she's here. So it's very present and on my heart and mind when, when I see her. But the very first week that we were installed, I believe it was the first week we were installed, which wasn't even a year ago, when we were installed as the senior pastors here, I was standing sort of down in this front space and I saw this gorgeous little girl just 
like running so fast straight toward me. And I looked around and I thought, was her mom here? And I thought, oh, she's coming for me. Okay. And then all of a sudden she grabs my knees and hugs me and gives me the best possible hug. And it was awesome. But then the next week I saw the same little girl, Ava, her face lit up. In that moment, I thought, oh, she's coming for me again. Oh, this is amazing. This time I'm going to be ready. And what did I do? Oh, I nailed down. Why? Because I not only want to experience her love, I want her to experience the fullness of my love, right? I want her to experience the fullness of my embrace. And so what did I do? Ava, could you please get some stairs and climb up to me? No, 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 no. What did I do? I came to her, right? Because I want her to experience how much I love her as well. And this is exactly what the heavenly father has done for us. He has come to us. Oh man, but that makes me feel uncomfortable. The idea of a heavenly father kneeling before me. Yep. You know what? It made the disciples uncomfortable too. That night, the last supper, when Jesus knelt before them and said, you need to change your thinking. I'm going to wash your feet. So you begin to grasp just exactly what I do for you and how I see you. And they said, no, 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 God, you can't, you can't. And he said, oh, you can't even be a part of my kingdom unless you grasp this. Like understand that he is coming to us to bless us, but not just to bless us. Look at the last part of that passage. Says the Lord bless you and keep you. This word keep actually means to guard and it's a Hebrew word, shemar, to hedge about with thorns. Very specific word picture, to hedge about with thorns. And this always makes me think about my dad. My dad, my hero to this day, like avidly working to be my protector, even across the nation, right? Like any of you dads have baby girls, they'll always be your baby girl, right? Always. It's just the way it goes. And I remembered growing up in the South, I don't know, you don't get the opportunity here as much unless you live like deep past Puyallup, maybe maybe some of our Graham families. Mm Mm-hmm. Come on. Uh, understand this idea of having land and room to sprawl. And so part of growing up on farms is that you always have access to ATVs. What are ATVs? All-terrain vehicles, okay? And so we have all sorts of ATVs growing up because not only do you have tractors, but you got to have what we called four-wheelers, unless they had three wheels. And then, shocking, we called them three-wheelers. Rocket science, I tell you. And so when I was five, I was getting my very first lesson on how to drive. Yes, I said drive at five. I can't even fathom. There's no way Pastor JF and I would let Izzy at eight even drive one of those by herself. But this was the culture I was raised in. And so I was getting my first lesson on how to drive the four-wheeler. And I remember my dad and I were on this massive machine and I am in his lap. So he is 
behind me and he's driving, he's holding the handlebars and I'm the little one, the little blonde one right in the middle, right between his legs and holding on tight. And all of his body is encompassing all that was my body, right? And we are flying. Why? Because of course I said, faster, faster, faster. And he complied. And I remember we were tearing through this one field and we had no idea that our neighbor had just put up a barbed wire fence. And we were booking. And all of a sudden, my dad spots it. And he's going too fast to stop. And he realizes that in that moment. So what does my loving earthly father do in that moment? He takes his entire body and shields mine and does his best to flip the four-wheeler so that I don't end up in the barbed wire fence. And in that moment, we're getting up off the ground The four-wheeler is flipped upside down. My dad is bleeding, cut up from some of the barbed wire. I look at him and say what any five-year-old would say. Let's do it again. Right? So fun. Friend, your heavenly father, whether you feel it or not, whether you recognize it or not, he desires to put that thorny hedge of protection around every part of your life, every area that you will allow his supernatural protection over. He covers you in a way that shields you from attacks that you never even knew were coming at you. You're getting up off the ground going, "Woo, let's do that again. And the Lord says, you have no idea what I have just protected you from. The Lord is continually blessing and keeping you. The second area, he desires to bless and protect you. Number two is he desires to reveal the fullness of his grace to you. The fullness of his grace to you. Let's look at the next passage. Number six, verse 25 says, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. You need to understand that that word face, that word face in the Hebrew isn't the physical face. It's the entirety of who you are. The Lord makes the entirety of who he is shine on you. But you need to understand too that that word is plural because how many of you know there are so many facets to our amazing God and he makes his face shine upon you. When I read that, I get this picture in my head of my two little ones. There's a thing that Pastor JF and I do with them from time to time, especially when they were younger. In those moments when they're super upset about something and you can't really console them, or in those moments where they're really scared or maybe super frustrated. And we learned it, I learned it actually from him because his mom did it to him his whole life. And I loved it so much, we adopted it as a family. But what I'll do in those moments is I take my little Fulton and I pull him really close. 
where his face is just near my face. And I allow him to not only soak that in, but I take my hands and I block out everything else. And I say, hey, buddy, come into my little room. Come into my little room. It's just you and mommy. It's just us. I just want to reveal to you how I see you. I want to reveal to you how I look at you. And you know what's so amazing about those moments? Is that it doesn't matter what's going on around us. In those moments, my little ones get really calm. Why? Because my face is shining on them. Because who I am and how I see them starts to become a little more clear. And I love that picture because that word shines. That word shine means to become light or to reveal or to bring in order. And in those moments where the heavenly father draws close and you're willing to draw close to him, and you're able to allow him to let his face shine on you in such a powerful way, everything that is going on around you begins to fade away. Doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't matter to you anymore. The revelation of who he is, how he sees you in those intimate moments where the heavenly father says, no, 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 that stuff doesn't matter. No, 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 I have you. And I need for you to see how I see you so that everything else can be put into priority. That's exactly the picture that the Lord is giving us in this moment. Number 625 says, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. That word gracious actually means to show unmerited favor. Meaning, it is love and favor that is shown to you that you cannot earn. You know what's so powerful about that? Is that while you can't earn it, you also cannot lose it. I think you need to wait. Just pause a second and let that sink in. If you can't earn it, you also cannot lose it. If you can't do something to make, you make him love you more, then that means you can't do something to make him love you less. Unmerited favor. And I realized in studying the last few months that so many of us refuse to draw close. We refuse to let the Lord pull us in in those intimate moments because we're terrified not for him to show his face to us. We're terrified that he won't look at us in a gracious way. We're terrified that his face toward us isn't one that's gracious, but instead one of anger. Maybe it's one of frustration. Maybe it's one of disappointment because that's how your, your earthly father maybe looked at you. Maybe that's how he spoke to you, but your heavenly father desires to draw you close in those moments so he can show you just how much he loves you. How full his love is. Psalm 86, as the band comes back, Psalm 86 says it like this, but you Lord are a compassionate and gracious God. You are slow to anger. You're abounding in love and faithfulness. And guess 
what David is quoting. Exodus, yet again. Exodus 34. David is quoting that unto the Lord. Romans 8 says it like this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, meaning anything I walk through, neither angels nor demons, meaning anything around me, even in the spiritual realm, neither the present nor the future, meaning anything I've done in my past and also nothing I could do in my future, nor any powers, meaning anything that I even allowed or invited into my life, neither height nor depth, meaning anything that I feel that I feel the Lord so far from me or I've run so far from him. It does not matter. None of those things, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And someone needs to hear that today. Why does that matter, Pastor Ashley? Why? Why does it matter that I know that nothing even what I do cannot separate me from God's love. Why? Because the second you begin to understand that, the second you begin to catch a glimpse of how perfectly our heavenly father loves you, just how perfect his love is toward you, regardless of what you've done or how far you've run, once you start to capture that, fear cannot reside. Perfect love casts out fear. That doesn't mean that you love Him perfectly. No, 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 that will never happen. His love is perfect toward you. And once you start to see how your heavenly Father sees you in those moments where He draws you close, then everything that you were terrified about now begins to melt away. You begin to trust Him in a way that you see glimpses of His power and you go, oh, 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 yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's exactly what God's promised me. We can walk into that. Oh, yeah. Why? Because you know the faces of your Heavenly Father. The power in that. He desires to bless and protect you. He desires to reveal the fullness of His grace to you. And the last part that that passage leads us into is he desires to give you peace. He desires to give you peace. Some of you in this place are so riddled with anxiety, so riddled with fear and worry, and you need to hear that that is not God's plan for you. That is not God's will for you. He has something so much greater for you. Numbers 6, 26. The NASB says it like this. The Lord lift up, meaning continually, His countenance on you. The NIV says it like this. The Lord actually turns His face, meaning the entirety of who He is, toward you, meaning to your aid or your support and give you peace. I love this. The Amplified Hebrew to English version, th this is good, you gotta hear this. May Yahweh lift up and carry His fullness of being, Whew. His fullness toward you, bringing everything that He has to your aid 
supporting you with his divine embrace and his entire being. Friends, if you only knew what your heavenly father desires for you, how he sees you, what he's done for you already, the peace of God would live in you like never before. Many years ago, when Pastor JF and I pastored in Miami, and I think he's told this story here before, but we were pastoring there when the earthquake, the big earthquake hit in Haiti. Devastation. And for us, it was particularly impactful because about 90, 95% of our congregation were Haitian. Haitian Americans that were either born in Haiti or all of their families still lived in Haiti. And so I remember the Tuesday night that it hit and we were gathered around the altars praying and crying out to God for Haiti. And the Lord opened up an amazing opportunity for Pastor JF and I to lead a humanitarian aid plane, a chartered plane filled with occupational surgeons to be one of the first ones to land in Haiti after the quake. So about a day and a half after it hit, we boarded that plane with all these people way smarter than us <laughs> and landed in Port-au-Prince, started pulling people out of rubble. And it was crazy. I mean, it was the closest I've ever been to an active war zone. The aftershocks are still hitting and so we couldn't be inside buildings because buildings were still collapsing and we couldn't sleep inside. And, and we were trying to navigate everything that God had called us to do there. And after we were there for a few days, we get notified by the U.S. Embassy that the civil unrest was too great. The dangers were far too great for Americans to still be there at that time. And so they were pulling and requiring every American to leave Port-au-Prince. And so we started gathering our people and we started trying to figure out, Lord, how, what is this, how is this going to work? And no cell phone reception, of course, there definitely wasn't any Wi-Fi. The satellite phones only worked if you found a top of a mountain or a high building that you could be on, which that wasn't safe. And so we made our way to the airport and the airport scene was total chaos. People were trying to scale the fences and the guards and police were making sure that no one got through because so much chaos. And I remember Pastor JF and I, we just held hands and we started praying. We thought, Lord, how do we even navigate this process? We were terrified and had no idea of what to do. And then off in the distance, we saw this massive military plane begin to land. And we looked on the side of that plane and not only was there a United States flag, but it actually said Joint Base Lewis McCord across the side. And I remember that pilot caught our eyes as we're standing there right at the fence. And he 
made that little thumbs up gesture to us. Everything's going to be okay. And in that moment of just seeing our amazing armed forces come to our aid to sweep us out of a situation that we didn't know how to navigate, our anxiety began to decrease. But friend, if you could fathom just the amount of forces, the amount of support, the amount of angels that your God has on your side, bringing to your aid in every possible situation, fear would never enter your mind. What He allows to come to your aid, that security of knowing your heavenly Father and every angel that is dispatched at His word is behind your back, supporting you, surrounding you, covering you. That is what our God does for us. And not just the one time, but continually. That passage ends with verse 27 that says, So they, meaning Aaron and his sons, meaning all of the future generations of the priesthood, which by the way is you, 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 me, says, So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. What does that mean? They will put my name on the Israelites? Well, friend, you need to understand that in the Hebrew, your name is not just what people call you. It is your very character. It is your very essence. And in fact, the, the Hebrew term for name means breath because it's everything that's inside of you. And so my prayer for you, starting this week, is that you will take on your responsibility as maybe the priest in your home. Maybe you're the priest in your office. Maybe you're the priest on your street. Maybe you're the priest in that grocery store. And not in a weird way, but in God's way, begin to speak over people this blessing. Now, maybe for you, that looks like actually telling people how much God loves them actually telling people how God wants to protect them, that He's not angry with them. Maybe it's, it's speaking that over your children in a supernatural way. Look, I've read so many commentaries about this blessing. It's so interesting to look at most theologians think that this blessing was the reason that all of the Israelites in the wilderness had supernatural provision. They had supernatural strength. Their shoes didn't wear out. They had manna delivered from heaven. There was all these incredible things. And whether you believe that or not, I know that I know that I know that us grasping this idea of how God sees us and what He desires for us will determine whether we're able to walk into our promised land, into the promises that God has given Church for All Nations, into the promises that God has given Parkland, into the promises that God has given Pierce County. And so this morning, I want to remind you, 
that God's name, He is love. We throw around so often, oh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And we think it's adding some sort of curse word to His name. That's not what that means. It's not a good idea, but it's not what that means. Taking the Lord's name in vain means misunderstanding and misusing the character of God. Misrepresenting who He is. That is dangerous. It's dangerous misunderstanding Him and the entirety of His nature. Lord, you know our hearts, God. Lord, you know what we have need of. And Lord, I know what you've promised. God, I know what you've already envisioned, Pastor JF and myself. Lord, I know the miracles you wanna do in this house. Lord, I know the power of your presence that you want to reveal so mightily in this entire community, Lord. But God, I ask first that you prepare us for what you desire to do. Lord, that you prepare our hearts and our minds for exactly where you want to take us. God, that we would no longer be a people that think that you're mad at us. That we would no longer be a people that think that we're not worthy of your promises. God, you make us worthy. You make us worthy. So Lord, I ask that you would begin your powerful revelation over each and every family represented here, God, each and every neighborhood represented here. Lord, not for our glory, but for yours. We want to see you do mighty things, mighty things in our community. And we are trusting you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.